Welcome to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks very much for tuning in. Every day, it seems like immigration advocates' worst nightmares are coming true. Last week, U.S. Immigration and Customs Enforcement, known widely as ICE, rounded up nearly 700 mostly Latino workers in the largest raids ever conducted by the agency. Migrant children continue to be separated from families and held in facilities that have all the trappings of concentration camps. And last week, a Michigan man died in Iraq after being deported. 41-year-old Jimmy Aldaoud suffered from mental illness and diabetes, and he couldn't get the insulin he needs in Iraq. It was a country he had never even been to, in a region devoid of and hostile to Chaldeans like Jimmy a man who didn't even speak Arabic. Now, with this backdrop, the Trump administration is considering stripping social services for legal immigrants. Is this how America becomes great again? Or are we permanently turning our back on what made this country great in the first place? That's the idea we want to start with today here on Detroit Today. What is going on with immigration and immigration enforcement? And what does it say about who we are as a country. What does it say about this idea of a great America? Can this be a great country when it treats people who want to be part of this country, who come here seeking nothing more than what we all enjoy, when it treats them like animals, literally like animals? As always, the number on the phones is 313 577 1019. Tell us how you're feeling about this latest sweep of immigration raids by ICE. Are you an immigrant who lives here in Metro Detroit? Tell us how you're feeling. Do you feel less safe under this administration? Do you know someone who has been affected by these raids? Tell us what's happening in your community. Again, 313-577-1019 is the number. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put comments there. Or you can go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, and uh, we'll try to work you into the conversation. And joining us now to talk more about what he is seeing with this stepped-up immigration activity is Ali Harp. He is a writer and reporter for the Middle East Eye, and he's based in Washington, D.C. Ali Harb, uh, welcome back to Detroit Today. Thank you for having me, Stephen. Yes, and welcome welcome home to Detroit. Thank you. (laughs) Um, So... um, uh, Talk about what you're seeing with uh, these stepped-up raids. The, the, the news each day, I feel like, brings us something that we might not have imagined would have happened the day before. Um, is, this, is this really uh, uh, what we see in terms of what's happening? Uh, or, or is there something else going on? I mean, is this, is this as bad as it looks? It certainly is. It certainly is. And and the more you speak to people, the more you see the people who are impacted, the more you speak to parents, to children, to mothers, to sisters of immigrants who are being rounded up and deported, uh, the more you realize that this isn't a headline. There are hundreds of families being torn apart. There are people's lives that are being ruined. Uh, and it's systematic. It's calculated. And there's a lot of resources going into this crackdown. Um, The why aspect of it, why are people in our government going out of their way to destroy people's lives? 
there are theories out there, but the leading one is that make America great again is a code word for make America white again. And the immigrants who are being targeted are mostly non-white. So mm-hmm. that's that's what I see happening. Yeah, It's uh, awful. Uh, so, so according to numbers that were released by ICE last December, that agency has quadrupled the number of investigations it opened in workplace cases. And that's what we saw last week in in Mississippi. Uh, ICE has made more than 2,300 arrests in workside cases. That is seven times as many as the year before. But for managers, uh, the number only went up by one. 72 managers were arrested by ICE in uh, fiscal year 2018, just up from 71 in the previous year. So there, there does seem to be an imbalance even in the way that this is unfolding. I mean, I, I hear a lot of people saying, look, this is about the law and enforcing the law. Uh, people who break the law should be held accountable for that. But the way in which they're being held accountable is also terribly biased against uh, no, people of color. Absolutely. It's, it's, it's people of color. It's the most vulnerable people who are feeling the brunt of this. Uh, when we talk about the meat processing plant in Mississippi, we saw the videos of the children crying for their parents, the managers and the owners of the plant who hired those workers are still out in the open. And I don't know how you can square that uh, with the law enforcement aspect of things. It just does not add up. There is a bias and it's obvious and anyone who doesn't see it is just uh, willfully trying not to see it. Yeah. Uh, so, so let's talk about how this is playing out here in uh, in Metro Detroit. Uh, we do have uh, this instance of uh, Jimmy Aldaoud, uh, who was deported to Iraq, a country that he wasn't from and had never been to and is now dead because he was unable to get the kind of medicine that he needed uh, in, in that country. It's not the only example here that we've seen of this crackdown having a, a, a really big effect on people's lives. There was a raid in a Dearborn restaurant, I guess, not long mm-hmm. ago. I hear people in Southwest talking about uh, the aggressive way in which ICE is Absolutely. patrolling the neighborhoods and mm-hmm. just stopping people, asking them about their status. And, and Stephen, another aspect that does not get reported is that people are in fear. Some people are afraid, legal immigrants, citizens are afraid to go visit their families overseas because of what may or may not happen. Um, but let's talk a little bit about what's going on, what happened to Jimmy Eldawood. Mm-hmm. Um, the United States government in 2016, March of 2016, then Secretary of State John Kerry said there's a genocide going on in Iraq against religious minorities. And last year, President Donald Trump signed into law the Iraq and Syria genocide Relief and Accountability Act, that law states that the number of Iraqi Christians has gone from as many as 1.4 million in 2012 to 2,500 in 2017. So the American government recognizes that Iraq is a, there's an ongoing genocide in Iraq, and it's willing to send people to a genocide zone. That's, that's what our, our government is doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and the way it happened, it happened all the way back when Trump signed the travel ban that became known as the Muslim ban. 
Uh, if you recall, in the first order, Iraq was on the list of banned countries. And again, there was this uh, safety and security aspect that they tried to argue. And then came another order where Iraq disappeared within months. Well, how was Iraq a threat? And now it's not a threat. It's because Iraq agreed to start taking deportees from the United States. Um, and that opened the door for ICE to start deporting people with outstanding removal orders, sometimes dating back decades. People who have lived their entire lives in the United States, who are functioning members of society, who have families, who have businesses, and in some cases, like Jimmy, who are struggling. Um, and they started aiming to deport them. And thankfully, a lot of people stepped up to legally fight against this push by the government. But despite that fight, you know, there was a lot of legal back and forth. Eventually, uh, the Court of Appeals ruled that the government can indeed deport people to Iraq. And, and Jimmy was one of the cases, uh, one of the people who were deported. Uh, imagine a person who came here as a six-month-old baby mm. who does not know Arabic, who has no resources, who is diabetic, who is suffering from severe mental health issues, being dropped in the middle of a genocide zone. He didn't survive. Yeah. yeah. Unsurprisingly so, but the tragedy should shake the consciousness of the American government. Uh, but they're not showing signs of slowing down. And and do you hear from other folks in Southwest about this kind of thing happening in 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 other instances? I mean, uh, talk about what the, that community is experiencing right now. Well, it's right now. There's there's a mix of of fear and grief. Um. When they first rounded up people, 1,400 Iraqis were rounded up uh, and detained uh, to, to be removed. A few of them have gotten relief, thankfully, because legal advocacy efforts, uh, but a lot of them are still battling out their cases. And when we think of more than 1,000 people who could be deported to their death or at least a very terrible life, and, and in where they will be in constant danger, that's over a thousand families. Hmm. Many, many of, of uh, the immigrants in questions have American spouses. They have American children. So it's, it's traumatizing on every level. Uh, this is Detroit Today on 101.9 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and my guest is Ali Harp. He's a writer and reporter for the Middle East Eye, which is based in Washington, D.C. We're talking about the stepped-up raids by ICE and the stepped-up deportations under the Trump administration, uh, the things that we are seeing almost daily now on the news about those deportations and ICE raids and what's happening to the people who are the victims of those actions. Um, if you want to join the conversation, give us a call and tell us how you're feeling about these latest sweep, uh, this latest sweep of immigration raids by ICE. Uh, are you an immigrant who lives here in Metro Detroit? Give us a call and tell us how you're feeling under this administration. Does it make you feel less safe? Does it make you feel more safe? Do you know somebody who has been affected 
by these raids? And what are your thoughts on the protests that are calling to abolish ICE? Uh, is that something we ought to be talking about uh, as, a, as a policy change here uh, that would change the way this all looks? Uh, as always, the number on the phones is 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put comments there or go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today and uh, we will work you into the conversation. Uh, I want to reiterate, we really would love to hear from people who live in immigrant communities. Uh, maybe you are an immigrant yourself. Maybe you live in a place where there are lots of newcomers to this country. I really want you to call and, and share with us what you are experiencing, what you're seeing uh, in various places here in uh, in Southeast Michigan. Again, 313 577 1019 is the number on the phones. Let's start with Regina in Detroit. Regina, welcome to Good the morning, show. Good morning, family. Hi. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm doing well, thank you. Yes, I am an immigrant, and I do live in the city of Detroit. I am a, a naturalized citizen through my father. Mm-hmm. I have family who have been in the armed forces of the United States. I have a family, including myself, that have worked for over 30 years. I have family that continue working in this country. We have children. We have grandchildren. We did not come bringing uh, weapons. We came bringing our knowledge in order to share what we know, in order to share our labor in the force. Uh, in the labor force in this country. It is a shame that this country is called, that people in this country call themselves Christians. These people are going to be spewed out of the master's mouth, and he was the one that said that. Mm. However, I remember the chaos under the Reagan administration when people were rounded out, out of factories, sent across the border to Tijuana, that when their children returned from school, their parents were gone, both sisters and brothers were gone. Mm. However, there was an outcry to return those people to their children. The hustle in this country is real. It is to sell off children, to sell off uh, folks' children into the system. Mm. But the day is coming that America, the United States, not America, because we're all Americans, North, Central, and South. That's right. The day is coming where America in the North will need to go to the Central and to the West for whatever reason. Do not forget. Do not forget, please. Do not forget. We, as immigrants that have been sent away, deported, pushed pushed off, Mm. leaving our properties, leaving whatever we leave, crying tears, it'll be answered. It is answerable. Regina, I really appreciate the call. I thank you, my brother. I thank you. Yeah, I appreciate the call and the the perspective. Uh, Ali, you know, when I talk to people like Regina... And there is this real palpable sense of 
the threat that this poses to their to their lives. I mean, as, as she said, she's a naturalized citizen. This is somebody who shouldn't have any fear about immigration or or ICE raids. I mean, the, the, she should be beyond the reach of those things. And uh, it seems as though this administration has made her feel as though she's not. Yeah. Um, well, actually, there's a denaturalization task force. So unfortunately, <laughs> no one's safe. Right. Uh, right now, they grew the Justice Department a task force that looks into naturalized citizens' applications to find any fault, to strip away their applications, to strip away their citizenship. Uh, nothing sacred, no one's safe. Uh, when we're talking about someone like Jimmy, this is, I can't think of anyone more vulnerable, more deserving of protection uh and and he was sent to their to his death mm -hmm. a man who came here at six months old so no one's safe mm. um again uh, regina i really do appreciate uh, the call and uh, and you sharing that experience with us let's go to david in rochester david what's on your mind hi how you doing today good how are you I'm good. I'm, I'm a chef here in Detroit, and I, for three years I was a chef in one of Donald Trump's hotels in New York City. Hmm. And uh, it, was, it was the early 90s, and I assure you the hotel would not have run without immigrants. Hmm. It hmm. was 90% immigrants in the department I was in, obviously, in the kitchen. But uh, he was wildly popular uh, with everyone who worked there. Uh, but like I say, it was the 90s, and he was a Democrat, so I guess they were allowed to love him then. But <laughs> I assure you uh, his point is not to make America white again. Uh, I, and I, and that's why I just took offense when that person said anyone who thinks that that's not the case isn't isn't paying attention because I pay very good attention. I, and there's no bigger Donald Trump fan than me, but there's no bigger uh, Stephen Henderson fan than me either. So you know, figure that out. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how you come. I don't know how you come down on that, but that's that's cool, David. I'll take it. Um, <laughs> uh, talk about so if you don't think that the goal is to make America white again, um, talk talk about what you think the goal. Is I mean, when you see the images of the people who are targeted by all of this action, doesn't it suggest to you that that race or ethnic origin is at least one of the factors that's at play here? Well, I can't understand why people would think he's anti-immigrant. All he does is marry them. I mean, there's that. I, I know that right now it's it, a lot of the immigrants are of color, but um, I just think that's why it seems like most of them that are targeted is because they're more recent. Um, you know, 50 years ago, it was a European wave, and now it's more of a Hispanic wave or, or maybe Middle Eastern. But I, I really believe that Donald Trump wants everyone to succeed as an American. And as long as you're here to work hard and be a part of a team, then, then that's what's going to happen. If you're here to try to scam somebody or try to get over, uh, he's not going to stand up for that. And that's how he was uh, back in the day when I was, a, I was a manager in one of his hotels, and and anybody who wanted to come and be a part of that team, he would personally get to know. He knew the porters. He knew the, the people that swept the floor. He knew their name. He knew their parents' name. He knew their family situation. He's, he's, he's a very odd individual because, you know, most millionaires hang out with other millionaires, and it just really didn't seem like a thing for him. You, you would much rather get to know, you know, Andre over here or, or Pedro over there. It just He's not that kind of person. I, I just... It's different for me because I, you know, I have had conversation with my Sure, sure. Uh, David, I really appreciate the, you calling and sharing that perspective. That's important, too. 
um, you know, uh, I, I can't say that that I, I share that perspective, uh, but but I really do appreciate that you listen uh, and that you called in. Uh, Ollie, talk about how difficult it is. I, I think this is a real hurdle. There are a lot of white Americans who don't see this as based on race or ethnic origin. Um, and, and of course, I think if you sit in, in the shoes of a person of color, it's impossible not to think of it uh, that way. It, it's one of the divides that I think this president has become very good at manipulating and sort of highlighting with the things that he's doing in the, in the immigration context. Uh, first of all, let me just comment on the point that David made, uh, and thank you for calling, David. Uh, the fact that Trump may be a nice person when you meet him and he may have been good to his worker and greeted them does not change or take away the fact that his policies are impacting immigrants of color across the country. Uh, the problem is not Donald Trump himself, the person. The problem is Donald Trump, the president, and how he's governing. Yeah. Um, we have a hard time in this country separating individual action from policy. We have a really hard time understanding that that good people uh, or people who seem to be good to us or to others that we know uh, can do terrible things uh, through policy, through institutions, through organization. Uh, that's a hard thing to get people to understand. I mean, we see it when people are being accused of abuse of some sort. Sometimes their friends come out and say, oh, he's nice to me. Simply because he was nice to you doesn't invalidate other people's experiences. Mm -hmm. And simply because Donald Trump may be a good person to get a drink with or work for, it doesn't mean that he's not doing these things, that he is not trying to deport hundreds of immigrants here in the Detroit area who have been here forever, who know no country but the United States. Um, <clears throat> and the other reference about Trump marrying uh, immigrants mm -hmm. is the equivalent of saying, I have a black or an Arab friend, so I'm not racist. Right. Like, it's, it's, yeah, like we're, past, we're past this argument. Yeah. Um, but, uh, Stephen, I, I want to disagree with you on the perspective of, you know, that a lot of white folks don't see it this way mm -hmm. because there are people of color who are also misguided who support Donald Trump. Sure. And uh, there are a lot of white folks at the forefront for the fight of justice, um, although it does make a difference when you're when you're feeling that crackdown. Mm -hmm. uh, there's a saying in Arabic that who is feeling the whip is not like that who is keeping an account. Right. So when you're feeling it, it's different than when you're observing it. Uh, but the problem is that Donald Trump has created a sort of cult of personality mm -hmm. where people think he does no wrong. And he gave it away himself. He said he can shoot someone down on right. Fifth Avenue right. and his phone numbers wouldn't change. Right. And unfortunately and sadly, it's true. Yeah. Some people will not see Donald Trump doing anything wrong. They will discount the pain and suffering of others just because of this cult of personality that Trump created. Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to continue our conversation with Ali Harb about the things that are going on with immigration crackdowns around the country. We want to continue to hear from you as well, Bill and Wyandotte, Andrea in Port Huron, John in Detroit. We'll get to you next. If you want to join them, 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. We'll be right back with more Detroit Today.
This is Detroit Today on 101.9 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. My guest is Ali Harb. He's a writer and reporter for the Middle East Eye, which is based in Washington, D.C. Um, uh, we're talking about the stepped-up ICE raids and deportations that we're seeing under the Trump administration. Uh, each day, the news seems to bring us something else that we might not have thought was possible the day before in terms of the way that people who want to be Americans are being treated. We see children separated from their families at the border. We see people being deported to countries that they are not even from and maybe have never even been to uh, as a way of somehow punishing them for coming here and not following all of the rules. What do you think of all of this? Uh, do you think that these raids are necessary to make sure that the law in this country is enforced? Uh, or are you someone who thinks that uh, this is a crackdown that is about uh, ethnic origin and race? Especially if you're an immigrant who lives here in Metro Detroit, we want to hear from you. What's your experience been over the last few years under the Trump administration as they have changed a lot of the rules in terms of the way uh, they deal with immigration. Do you know somebody who has been affected by these raids by ICE? Uh, and what are your thoughts on the protests that are now cropping up that say we maybe don't need ICE at all? As always, the number on the phones is 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put comments there. Or you can go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, and we'll try to work you into the conversation. Uh, Ali, before we go back, uh, before we go back to the phones, I want to continue the conversation that we were just having and continued uh, over the break about how we get people, Americans, to really understand what's going on. Uh, and, and you called me out uh, on something I said earlier about. Uh, white Americans not really understanding what this is about, not really being able to relate uh, to the things that, that are happening. And and you're right, I shouldn't have cast that net perhaps as wide as I did. But I do think that there is a racial divide on these things. It, it is becoming more and more difficult, at least in my experience, mm -hmm. uh, to get a lot of white Americans to see that uh, what's happening is not okay, A, but but that it is cast in racial terms, that this is not coincidental that the people who are being targeted by ICE uh, are Middle Eastern or Latino in, in, uh, in, their, ethnic, uh, in their ethnic origin. Mm -hmm. um, and, and, you know, the, the numbers do back your argument. If we look at where Trump's support is uh, in terms of the demographics of this country, uh, but I think we also have a problem of what is an objective truth in this country. What you and I see as the truth and what Trump supporters see as the truth is, is different, are, are, are completely different concepts of reality. Uh, we even have uh, alternative facts, members of the administration speaking openly about alternative facts. So I think at the core of the problem is trying to argue over the same set of facts and, and getting to Trump supporters the correct information. What is going on? Why is this happening? And I mean, there are some people who are racist out there, unfortunately, and nothing will change their mind. They're not moved by a brown person being sent to his death. That kind of thing just doesn't move them. They may actually celebrate it and, and 
that portion of the population, there is no use arguing with with people who hold those beliefs. But I hope that they are a very small minority. Uh, again, 313-577-1019 uh, is the number on the phones. Let's go to John in Detroit. John, what's on your mind? Hi, um, I am Iraqi American, and uh, I, I just don't see, I don't see it the way Mr. Harp does. Um, I'm not a fan of President Trump as an individual, but I do have to back some of his policies, and uh, much of my family, if not most, do as well. Uh, have a lot of Trump supporters in my uh, family. Uh, but really, it's a it's a matter of uh, law and order um, that that people want. Uh, our immigration system has been loose and chaotic for many years, and um, although you know it's a shame that. Uh, Jimmy died in Iraq. I think that's more the fault of poor health care in that country and um, than it than it is our policy to deport uh, people with criminal records. So so John, let me ask you this. Um, you said you were you are of Iraqi descent, is that right? That's correct. Uh, but you were born here, right? That's right. Okay. So um if you were deported and uh, for some reason that you'd broken a law or, or somehow your status had changed and the, the country decided that you could no longer stay here and you were sent to um, Kazakhstan, for instance, um, would you consider that reasonable enforcement of the law? I mean, some place that you weren't from, some place that you had never been, um, wh- why would that be okay? You said Kazakhstan. I, I don't see that as, as equivalent at all. It's, uh, well, Jimmy was not from Iraq. Well, was was he not? No. Uh, I mean, I know he was born in in Greece, but uh, right. he was Iraqi origin. He probably didn't identify as uh, Greek at all. But I'm sure he he uh, probably identified more Iraqi than anything else. Well, actually, and, he didn't. He didn't speak Arabic. He'd never been to Iraq. He didn't know anyone there. I mean, the idea that you send someone and and uh, his religious beliefs put him in danger in that country. And we know that. We know that the Iraqis are cracking down on Iraqi Christians. So, I mean, I guess I guess it, it always sort of um, puzzles me the extent to which uh, we're able to to rationalize the irrational here. I mean, if I, if I sent you to a country that you didn't know anything about, that you had no connection to, and where your religious beliefs made you a target, I don't think you would think that was a reasonable enforcement of the law. But, but John, I do appreciate you listening. I appreciate your calling in. Uh, Ali, this is sort of an, another illuminative example of how hard it is, I think, to get people to see the reality of what's going on. It's, uh, it's, it's incredible. What John has said that you know that John that uh, Jimmy's death was the result of bad healthcare in in Iraq, uh, but I would like to ask Jimmy why does Iraq have bad healthcare? Right. Well, who because broke, who broke that country? Right. Who broke that country up? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I bet you John would would be you know 
would would blame someone else. Yeah. I you know would find another person to blame, but you know to blame it on Iraq's healthcare, you would have to go all the way back to blame it on the people who invaded Iraq. And we talk about law and order. And when John talk about law and order, unfortunately, uh, law and order only applies on the weak. The people who invaded Iraq under false pretenses, who lied to the American people, and who subsequently broke the Iraqi healthcare system, and that's why John, that's why Jimmy died, according to John. They haven't been prosecuted. They were never brought to trial. The people who authorized torture. Law and order does not apply to them. Law and order only applies to a semi-homeless man with mental health issues and nothing to his name. And and also in memory, in defense of the memory of Jimmy, Jimmy was not a criminal. Jimmy never hurt anyone. He had severe mental health issues that led him to homelessness and breaking the law was a part of that problem. I've spoken to several people who knew Jimmy and everybody would tell you that he was the sweetest man you could find. He was soft. He was nice. He wouldn't hurt anyone. He had mental health issues that caused him run-ins with the law. He was not a criminal. He does not deserve that that sentence. He does not deserve to be sent back to a country where there is no health care because we broke that country when he needs that health care. Mm. Uh, again, John, <clears throat> appreciate you listening. Appreciate you calling in. Let's go to Sheila in Dearborn. Sheila, welcome to the Hi. show. Hi. Uh-huh. Go ahead. Hi. Um, so I'm Indian American and not a birthright citizen and for the longest time assumed that my citizenship status would protect me and allow me to um, speak out and up against the abominations committed by ICE and by Homeland Security. But as I've been seeing Mexican-Americans and other birthright citizens um, being disappeared by ICE on the, along the border or in the South is calling into question the protection that citizen affords, citizenship affords me versus the color of my skin. Mm. Um, another thing I want to point out is there, the narrative around undocumented immigrants unfortunately becomes so homogenous and is not taking into account the diversity of undocumented immigrants. Um, there are about seven or 8,000 South Asians who are undocumented in this country, and it's frustrating as somebody who's part of that community to see my own community um, not recognize the vulnerable and not do anything or speak out in, in mass. Hmm. Uh, and what do, you, what do you make of the difference there in, in terms of uh, people from that part of the world who are here uh, as undocumented status, with undocumented status, and not facing the same kinds of uh, things that we see Latinos and uh, people from the Middle East facing. Uh, many South Asians lean into the model minority myth, mm-hmm. which was created via a white supremacy agenda to use this as a wedge issue, mm-hmm. um, and think that we benefit from this idea that because of brain drain immigration and the benefits that that's had to this country that people who are gifted in math, science, or art uh, is going to save us all, we don't seem to realize that we have incredibly vulnerable populations uh, within our own community. Hmm. Sheila, I really appreciate you calling in uh, and sharing that perspective, which uh, which I think is is uh, an unusual one. I mean, it's, it's, you know, I think everybody sees this from uh, the chair that they sit in, or the water that they uh, swim in, and and you know it it, it varies uh, depending on who you are and and where you're from. So I really appreciate you 
joining the conversation here. Okay, Ali Har, writer and reporter for the Middle East Eye. It is always great to have you here with us on Detroit Today. Thanks for Thank coming. Thank you, Stephen. Yeah. All right, up next, we are going to talk about another book about the Flint water crisis. Uh, Dr. Benjamin Pauly is an assistant professor of social science at Kettering University in Flint. He has written about the way that activism has brought more democracy to the solutions that we are employing in the Flint water crisis. Stay with us on Detroit Today. Detroit Today. 